0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard working Australians will always be lower. You know, I, I don't hold
0: a hose, mate,
1: and I, I don't You'd give you the control.
0: Problem. There are answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But I ain't spending any time, mate, because
1: in the meantime, every three months, I. Person was torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: G'day, listeners, and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz, the podcast that refuses to wear either. While digging through the entrails of the Australian federal election, the election has been won and lost, but there's still much, uh, still so much going on that we're hanging in there. And we'd like to remind our listeners uh, to help us spread the news of hard hats and high Viz. Give us a review on your podcast app and give us a jump on social media if you like what you're listening to. You can drop me a line on Twitter on Jack, um, at Jack the Insider or send us a letter to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, and your correspondence may even end up in the show, including a little bit that we've got at the end of today's show. So here we are. I'm Jack the Insider, Peter Hoisted to my mum, and joining me today as per his Hong Kong Jack. Jack. G'day, Jack. G'day, Jack. Well, mate, the shadow cabinet has been announced, and uh, it would seem that Morrison, as many of the Morrison acolytes, have been given their marching orders, or at least demoted. Um, we might remember Stuart Robert, the uh, minister for the outgoing minister for social security, who um, had the uh, most expensive uh, internet uh, available in Australia. He's gone. Uh, as well as uh, people like Linda Reynolds, God, she had to go. Uh, Alex Hawke has been demoted. Melissa Price, Keith Pitt, uh, Andrew G. Sort of want have been given their marching orders. Have you had a good look at the uh, shadow cabinet list?
1: Oh, I cast my eye over it. it. Doesn't really matter a great deal, does it? They're, they're, <laughs> they're just spokespeople for the moment, you know. I mean, uh,
0: Maurice Payne, uh, the outgoing uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs, had asked not to be considered for a prominent role. I believe she is the
1: uh, uh, the uh, spokesperson assisting the Prime Minister. Uh, perhaps, so she's, she, perhaps she's going for a holiday in the South Seas where, she didn't, <laughs> where she didn't go uh, when perhaps she ought to. You know. Fiji, you think. Yeah, yeah. you think, Jack? Yeah, Fiji yeah. and holiday Solomon's, maybe. Fiji, the Tonga, you know, anywhere up there, yeah. Ten of the
0: 20, ten of the twenty-four uh, member uh, shadow cabinet are women. Uh, well, uh, the twenty-four uh, min shadow uh, spokespeople are women, uh, including Deputy Suzanne Lee. Jane Hume has been given a promotion, and Andrew Hastie, who was lucky enough, he had a swing against him in WA. Jack uh, well below the ten percent average. I think it was about six and a half. Um, so he's got a bit of a personal
1: following there in his seat He goes okay I think Andrew he? and I think He's, he's, he's pretty... the former SAS chubby isn't he Yeah that's right Yeah, yeah. yeah. He,
0: I think he showed himself in the uh, uh, Robert Smith trial To be a person of pretty, pretty substantial uh, integrity And also in regard to his remarks on China uh, that A lot of people thought were a bit extreme initially But I think he sort of got China fairly right But um, how does does Dutton
1: handle opposition now? What does he have to do? Uh, Well, I think Dutton's a a pretty good choice um, uh, as opposition leader. But we have to remember that there hasn't been a single instance where we have changed government in Australia and the losing party has appointed a a new opposition leader and that opposition leader has gone on to be Prime Minister. Not one. Not
0: one. Yes, Kim Beasley uh brendan nelson yes um billy snedden billy snedden yes right back you know yeah Uh, going going back bill Bill Shorten, you know Uh, so so he's just making up he's making up the numbers
1: isn't he so uh, in a sense historically anyway that's history tells us that that's the probability but what he's got to do is is just gather the troops around him and, and and form a bit of an opposition and um and and I think he's a good choice for that because he's an excellent communicator. Um, uh, even when people don't like what he's saying, they actually know what he's saying. You know, um, it, it's always pretty clear and straightforward. Um, compare him to say Kim Beasley. <laughs> where well, you never we're never quite sure what Kim was talking about, um, <laughs> uh, um, and or uh, well, Bill Shorten for that matter, not a great communicator. You know, but the the opposition leaders who. Go OK are the ones who can deliver a, a pretty consistent and straightforward message, and he's pretty good at that. Um, uh, the, um, the next thing they've got to do is forget all this stuff that's in the newspapers about whether you shift the Liberal Party to the left or the right or, you know, whatever you do about that. The Liberal Party really only succeeds when it's a, um, a centre-right party yeah. that has both conservatives and moderates in it. Um, um, and they can battle it out within the party, um, but that's what you need for the Liberal Party to succeed. Um, and I think moder- I think Dutton seems smart enough to work that out. Uh, yeah, look, I've written a, a
0: couple of pieces about it now, um, and uh, that's pretty much the way I'd go with these things. Any sort of shift away from the centre would be a disaster. Um, clearly... They were under attack in the, from the centre, uh, from the Teals in in um, in some of their blue ribbon seats, <clears throat> um, seats like uh, uh, Freidenberg, Cooeyong uh, are, are, are gone, um, and, and, and McKellar, you know, gone Wentworth, perhaps not so much of a surprise, nor Sydney gone. Uh, I heard Malcolm Turnbull talk about this, and, and he makes a very good point. That's where they get their money, Jack. You know, this is you know, this is this has been the you know those seats have been where they make most of their money in terms of members member donations. Good Lord, Malcolm Turnbull making a good point.
1: It must be about money.
0: Well, it's no. just it's an obvious one though, isn't it? You it know, is. That, that, that's what you lose, and you can't afford you can't afford to basically consign those seats to oblivion.
1: Uh, no, had, no had been, but you ha- but you have to remember that if you turned the Teals into a teal party, there was absolutely no way that a teal party could win government with their policies. No, that's that's the get out. I mean,
0: that's that's what they need to basically argue. And they need to argue their points a little bit better than they did in the because uh, because the
1: teal way. party with their policies, their emphasis emphasis on yeah, on climate change and the um, and the integrity of government. Wouldn't win enough seats uh, across the breadth of Australia to go anywhere near forming government. All the teal party can do is win the richest ten or fifteen seats. You know, um, at, at best, a teal party could win the richest ten or fifteen seats in Australia.
0: It does cause all sorts of problems, but they can't. But, but what I'm saying to you is that the liberal party can't just you know shrug their shoulders and. and and then say, "Well, we'll pick those up in the suburbs or in regional Australia." That's a bizarre sort of way of thinking. And I did notice it was mentioned by uh, uh, the uh, uh, former member for Q. Oh, I think he's still a current member for Q, but he, he will lose. Uh, has lost his pre-selection. Tim Smith, uh, that great uh, genius from Victoria, um, that he said that they but needed to give needed to give these areas up. And go and fight in the suburbs Jim Smith, he'd need uh, Well, he'd need to drive sober But he'd uh, he'd also He'd need uh,
1: He'd he'd need a map to find them, wouldn't he? The outer suburbs Uh, Yeah, I I don't think you give up I don't think you give up suburbs But I don't think you chase them In the same way that um, Labour hasn't ever really tried to chase To win Melbourne back Uh, It just accepted the fact that You know, Melbourne is a green enclave um, uh, And Yeah uh, it's and, an interesting and,
0: result in Melbourne
1: this yeah. time around.
0: Um, and, uh, Labor did pretty well, uh, yeah. in in uh, uh in Melbourne this time around, and, and and no one really saw that coming.
1: Um, but, but, but Labor's be a- been smart enough to say, look, we're not going to try and outgreen Adam Bant in Melbourne with our policies yes. overall, because if we do that, we won't win anywhere else. Mm. Um, mm. and that applies to the teal. So, um, you know, I, I actually think this is the first election where. The pro climate change party has really won for a while, um, you know. Um, and
0: um, the climate war is over, mate. Hmm? The climate war is over. What I don't think so. Because, uh, I,
1: I think I think there is a really, really good argument that a uh, a good opposition leader could take to the next election, which is to say, look, we're, just to keep saying, look, we're in favour of action on climate change, but not at the expense of jobs. Not at the expense of coal mining, and not at the expense of living standards, um, and that because that's where most of the population falls. They're okay about doing something about climate change, but not when it starts costing them money.
0: You might have read too that uh, the uh, uh, the overseeing body has recommended that hot, that electricity prices increase in Australia, Jack, and that. Uh, that recommendation came in to the government while they were uh, campaigning, while they were mm-hmm. uh, in, in caretaker mode. In that would have been put in mode. the bottom drawer anyway, you know. <laughs> uh, and then, done, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they certainly did because they continued yeah. with this. Frydenberg and and uh, and the energy minister uh, Taylor uh, were, were were running around saying uh, 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 energy prices will be cheaper under the coalition. Well. They were sitting on that. That was straight out dishonest, and and um, uh, and of course, uh, Peter Dutton has kicked off uh, his uh, leadership by saying pretty much the same. It's uh, a pretty shameful episode, really, that they did have this. They were sitting on this uh, uh, electricity prices rising. It's got to the point where some of the smaller retailers, Jack, are saying, "You can't, you, please don't stick with us because we won't." Be able uh, uh, to to keep your electricity prices down, and you will be looking at at least a hundred, well, hundred percent plus increases
1: in your electricity through through us. Well,
0: um, that's not
1: that's not going to change the debate on climate change in the teal seats because all of those, nearly all the people in those seats, can afford to buy it. Oh, no, that's, that's right. About, yeah, and and you know um, the the classic image to me of the teal campaign. Um, I, was, I keep seeing photos of brand-new um, SUVs, Porsche Cayennes or whatever, pulling up outside somewhere and people unloading the teal sandwich boards. And I thought, that's just perfect. You know, you can afford to pay extra. You can afford for your, for your power. You can afford to pay extra for your petrol. Um, but those same factors don't work. Um, once you go, once you go past what, is, what what's, the, what's the curtain wall in Sydney South Dowling Street South get... Street might be a little bit broader than that now. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I mean it, it, while, while the teals haven't indicated that this is the case that uh, you know they could win they could win a seat like Benelong for example yeah, they, they could, could snap yeah, that up yeah, from yeah. labor.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they will be prominent we know so perhaps, this- so
1: perhaps the Sydney fish market's no longer the end of the known world. <laughs> it, it, it,
0: no no we're, 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 we're going uh, we're going well into the inner west I think um uh, they are going to be prominent in the Victorian state election as well where they are going to contest q I'd expect them to win Q I'd, I'd expect I won't I won't expect them to win Hawthorne because the former liberal member is actually a moderate And quite a decent fellow, former Attorney-General, I think he'll be returned. But they're going to run in places like Brighton, Jack, um, where they could have a real impact again on the Liberal Party's ability to win seats. I guess what we can say is that in the long run, we're going to have bigger crossbenches than we've had before
1: uh, across our state and federal parliaments. I think Victoria is a little bit of an outlier, you know. with um, uh, the well, apologies to Bill Hayden. I think a driver's dog could beat um, uh, uh, the Liberal Party candidate. That's you go. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah look, there, 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 it is a party that is that is veered to the right. I mean, it, it, it's it's a party that um, has veered to the Christian right, if you like. I mean, in the state council, there's just a predominant number of Mormons there, which is hardly representative of Middle Australia or the centre, as we like to say. So, uh, I mean, if you wanted an example of how things can go badly wrong, if you do make these shifts, ideological shifts, the Victorian Liberal Party would be a pretty good example.
1: Do they go door knocking in pairs?
0: <laughs> would you like to come in for a tea of coffee? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, 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 no! can't do that in the in the sensible shoes and the and the, and the crisp white short sleeve <laughs> shirt, the, white, the, the white, shirts, white,
0: you know? white shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah look, yeah, that could that could be happening. Yeah, so you can see what happened, and it happened actually in 2018 in the Victorian state election. There, they almost lost Brighton to a um, uh, young fella who was uh, the Labor candidate who was uh, first year Melbourne Uni law. Yeah, he only just. Started uh, he was ahead on the count yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. 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 twenty-three. Uh, I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he mightn't have been first year, but he was pretty young, and, and he was he was ahead, uh, he was ahead on the two party preferred um, uh, overnight. So, uh, what the Liberal Party has done even further to estrange itself from it from the community. Is basically, I think it's, I think it's three elections now, three federal elections now, where the New South Wales body has basically had to, had to, uh, had, had to step aside, and all the branches had to step aside, while the political leadership, either from Canberra or from Sydney, had determined what the pre selections of
1: candidates were going to be. Yeah, this is a bit of a problem for for both the big political parties these days. Is that as the Membership of both those parties has diminished. Um, the political nature of those memberships has shrunk, and it shrunk away from the centre towards the edges. Um, uh, there's a bit of an argument, I think, that a US-style primary system might be better for electing um, uh, uh, candidates than our current setup. I mean, I, I, I know the Labor Party struggles with this as to how to pre-select people for. Um, uh, for uh, suburban um, and middle ring seats, um, uh, without being run over by the, the socialist left types, you know? but yeah, by, well, by the factions generally. I yeah. mean, look what 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 we saw in Fowler was
0: basically. Uh, the, the, the old uh, uh, the old exercise of parachuting in a candidate and a factional deal uh, in the form of Christina Canelli it was a complete and utter disaster and she lost a seat for Labor which should not be lost that's the point and they had a very good local candidate mm. um, but uh, but they they shot they shot him down a uh, local Vietnamese uh, lawyer I believe uh, shot him down and and and, and, and parachuted. Uh, Christina Keneally in and it was a disaster Uh, in Parramatta there was some concerns about Andrew Boyd Charlton Jack uh, the uh, Kevin Rudd policy advisor uh, being uh, parachuted into Parramatta but he got home and he actually improved his standing improved his primary vote improved, improved Labor's primary vote um, uh,
1: and and maybe there are some other factors just besides the individual candidate there. What you mean? But, besides besides him not being Christina Keneally, <laughs> well,
0: that, that might have been a decisive factor. Yeah, um, yeah and look, there's, there's a general view now that uh, within the Labor Party uh, that, that 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 they copped their right
1: whack. So uh, someone excellent. at the headquarters said, just go out there to Parramatta and just, whatever you do, don't be Christina Canelli. <laughs> well, it did, it did. If that was the advice, it did seem to help.
0: Um, and, look, the same thing uh, happened to, well, you could say Gilmore times two. Now, now uh, it's uh, a very, very marginal seat that's been held by Labor since uh, 2019. In 2019, the Liberal Party parachuted... Um, um, uh, Mundine in uh, to uh, uh, which was a complete disaster because the branches turned the branches in Gilmore all turned on him and actually
1: ran their own candidate as an independent so that was a complete not a disaster. This time he, he, was, a lo- say, he was a, a long term Labour Party member who had a falling out with the Labour Party. That's basically, Warren that's
0: Warren Mundine's bio yeah. isn't it? You know yeah. <laughs> spare our. Spare our listeners from having to buy his biography, which he was pumping hard on Facebook for a very long time there. Um, That's basically it. He was a disgruntled Labor man who wandered over to the North Shore and said, gee, it's really, really comfortable here, and uh, married into a Liberal Party family. And, uh, oh, gee, this... They have nicer cars and
1: nicer Ooh. furniture, and look at the size of that telly. And, and, the, and, the, liked... and, and, and the wine at the Liberal Party functions, I'm sure, I've never been to one, but I sure have been to one. Um, but, but I'm sure it's better than the wine at the Liberal be Party. <laughs> be better than yeah. on offer, uh, uh, at the goon offer
0: at the Labor functions. So, surely the answer, in short, Jack, is to get better candidates. You know, we're yeah. not we're better and, and, more com- and, and more attached to their communities. Those sorts of candidates, people with who are well-known in their communities, they're the ones that, sh- that can't be overlooked, surely. Yeah. Yes, and look, this did lead to an email to Liberal Party members from uh, New South Wales Liberal Senator Andrew Bragg and the Women's Council Delegate uh, Jane Bunkle. Uh, senior Liberals will push to reduce the power of the party leader among a series of major changes to the way candidates are chosen in New South Wales, having overlooked the, having overlooked the branch input for the last three federal elections, saying the pre-selection debacle under Scott Morrison must never happen again. Uh, what
1: did they say there, Jack? Well, you've got the quote in the, front of you, your rights as members. Yeah, um, your rights as members of our great party were taken away before the election. The Liberal Party is Australia's most successful grassroots movement, oh, which, is, God. which I think it's a bit of a—that's a bit of a stretch by a long way. <laughs> it's
0: a little bit of a stretch. Oz kick, uh, mate.
1: Now that's yeah, that's probably that's a grassroots movement um, and, a well, and a well-run one. Yeah, um, exactly. Jane, Jane Bunk, also a bit of a rising star of the New South Wales Bar. She's a, a, a barrister there, and right. she and she was um, kind of the leading candidate for pre-selection in Warringah, Zali Steggall's seat. But she withdrew uh, because of all the pre selection shenanigans. She certainly would have done better than Catherine Dukes.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, I can't I can't imagine how anyone could have done worse. Um, uh, uh, all, all three of them are women
1: barristers, I think, aren't they? Sally Stecker was a barrister before she was. She run. definitely was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I think Catherine Dirk is right.
0: Yeah, it is not a dictatorship, the Liberal Party of Australia. Oof. And yeah. we will not be successful without the engagement of you, our members. Your the, rights to have the your fa- say and select your candidates. The factional, the most
1: di- factional di- oh, divvying up of candidates of, of pre-selections is fine when you've got really smart people running the factions. Um, there are plenty of good examples where they've got it right, but it doesn't work all the time. And it doesn't work when you've got um, less talented people running the factions.
0: Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I I spoke to a a former former Lib, who's still involved in the party in Victoria, uh, after Sophie Mirabella got punted out of Indi in 2013. And I was astonished, absolutely astonished, to see in 2016 that she she was pre-selected again. And I said, what's going on there? Surely you can't have her. She's been... Rejected by the people, it's hardly likely they're going to go. Oh, we've made a mistake. We bet you, we better, we better vote you back in. And he said, "Oh, look, you uh, know, the, the local branches were just full of full of people who don't really understand what's going on. Uh, full of people a long way from uh, what the people of Indi were thinking. Um, and that's part of the problem too. That you, you that if you say that the factions aren't." being well-controlled, and they're certainly not in Victoria. Then at branch level, you've got people who are making bad decisions. It's almost like you do need some federal intervention.
1: Yeah. Well, the, 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 the factions in, 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 say in, the, in the Federal Parliamentary Labor Party worked quite well when you had hardheads like Robert Ray and, uh, and, and Graham Richardson, Richardson Richo, uh, running you know the right faction and, uh, uh, and some old hardheads running the left faction. It kind of worked. Um, because they, they, they tended to make good decisions. They tend to have good contacts all around the place um, to help them make good decisions. But these days, I just don't see the factional leadership being quite that quality.
0: Well, there's a lot of uh, uh, internecine brawling in, in New South Wales. In Victoria, there's it less because those fights have already been won and lost. You know, the, the, the moderates are kind of on the outer now in the mm. Liberal Party. So so you, you've got a very strange situation there. Um, uh, all the polling tells us that, that Dan Andrews will be re-elected. There's still a long way to go, of course. We've still got five months to go, more than five months to go. But if you haven't got a substantial opposition against you, you, know, you, you you're going to get
1: voted in whether you're a good government or not. You're yeah, going to get re-elected. True. Where, yeah. yeah, is is Chairman Dan waiting for the party congress to annoy him? Is he? <laughs> He's, uh, it, look, uh, it's there was some really interesting federal
0: uh, federal election money around his seat that showed a little bit of a shift to the Liberal Party. So I guess we can't say never say never, but look, all the Liberals are doing this time is twenty eighteen all over again. You know, mm. Matthew Guy, they just said, well. <laughs> If you didn't like the original, try the sequel
1: because it's going to yeah. be exactly the same. He's the bloke who was at the lobster restaurant, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, he was the lobster with the mobster uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, there was all of that, uh, and and they spent their time talking about African crime gangs and all this sort of nonsense. I'd, I'd venture also that uh, that Peter Dutton won't be doing a lot of campaigning in Victoria either. He's not popular there, um, <laughs> but. Um, Uh, Yeah, they, they, you know, with these sort of uh, uh, exaggerated problems of crime and so forth, African crime gangs, ethnicity, Dutton weighed into all of that. Um, And uh, and it was a disaster because people, I don't think people really want to hear negative stuff. I mean, they really don't want to be told, well, they don't want to be told that their state's being run into the ground when they walk out their front door and say, oh, you know, the trains are running on time. Uh, you know, everything seems to be working pretty well. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever else I think about him, about Dan, he'll, he'll. Uh, he's told me he's told me what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, and and, he, and we've got three years of track record saying he's pretty, pretty close to that.
1: Oh, and you know. they're building—they're building new train lines and all that sort of stuff. You—you um, uh, you and I can remember what um, a failing Labor government looks like. Um, uh, oh, that's what? just tr- trams down, <laughs> trams, trams
0: down. Look, it's all—it's good to have trams on Spring Street, but not too many, <laughs> um, not forty. <laughs> Not forty
1: stationary trams. Yeah, I think, I think we both became refugees in Victoria at the same time, didn't we? Yeah, we uh, did. And yeah. some of our friends in the Labor Party,
0: the Victorian Parliament, would look out through the blinds from their yeah. offices and go, "Oh Jesus, boy, not, are not we good. Gonna, not good. Are we, <laughs> we going to get belted or not?" Yeah. So look, let's let's move on to the more, far more important uh, business of government. And of course, we know the Albanese. Which we spoke of that this last week. The Albanese cabinet, but we're talking. Does size matter when it comes to cabinet, Jack? Because the uh, and one new Lord and Lion Eyes, is the the Hawke cabinet in 1983. <laughs> if you ever want, if our listeners ever want a sense of. Of, of talent assembled in one spot, it's a very good place to start looking. In that Hawke cabinet, there are only 15 members, Jack, and there were 12 in the outer ministry. Uh, the Albanese cabinet, and it's not unlike uh, the, the Morrison uh, cabinet uh, in terms of size, is 23 and with seven on the outer. And is that too big to be making good decisions, uh, making these arguments, good cabinet style government uh, with uh, the minister making arguments and uh, other people sitting around trying to knock him off or
1: her off? Um, uh, 23, is that too big? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you, you've got to remember that first hawk uh, ministry, in the outer, not in the cabinet, in the outer ministry, there were people like Michael Duffy, Neil Blewett, Brian Howe, Clyde Kim, Holding, Kim, yeah. Kim Beasley, Clyde yeah. Holding, you know, um, uh, lots and lots of talent. Hawke was prepared to say, Look, we know you're really good, we know you're really talented, we can't have too many around the cabinet table hey, because it's just unwieldy. Um, that's uh, the
0: and, issue, isn't it? So yeah, I so, mean, look, as I say, this is not something that's peculiar to the Albanese government. This is no. something that's probably been going since going on since, well, I guess even even the Howard government, but certainly the Rudd government, where you had very large cabinets. So, so you've got twenty three in there now, yeah. um, and uh, and seven on the outer. In, in Hawke's day, it was fifteen and twelve. Um, yeah. So, so the number of, number of ministers really hasn't changed very much, but
1: more of them are going into cabinet now, and that tends to make those things unwieldy. It does. See, w- what happens with the outer ministers? They go to cabinet meetings when they've got a specific pro- proposal or there's a proposal that affects their their department and their area. Mm-hmm. So they attend then, um, but they don't attend just as a matter of course, and cool. that works better. Um, so. You know, I think I, mean, health, I think I think health health was 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 a was an outer ministry in the in the first Hawke government. Neil Blewett had the health portfolio already, but he wasn't in cabinet.
0: Yeah, I look. At, you can obviously see why health should be in the cabinet, um, yeah. but there are a lot of. Uh, it's not. It's not so much the quality of the portfolio. It's really that's not the issue. The issue is if you're going to have this. Um, uh, sort of strident and vigorous debate about how to go forward in a particular portfolio or other, whether it be taxation or uh, uh, a reduction of services or an increase of services or let's say how we go about the NDIS and those sorts of things, it's probably
1: better handled with a smaller group rather than a large one. Well, just look at who's got to be in Cabinet. Your Attorney General should be in Cabinet. Your your Treasurer's got to be in Cabinet. Your finance minister's got to be in cabinet, and you have got to have a good one. Just think of Peter Walsh in the in the Hawke government. You know, um, yeah, he, he kept who was a, Who was a, a great
0: naysayer? You know, and yeah. and and he would have infuriated people in the government, uh, in the Hawke government at the time. You know, um, uh, <clears throat> but you needed that voice, didn't you? You yes. know, you, you needed that voice that would con- you know that sought to control spending. And, and um, you've, got to, you've got to have
1: the foreign affairs minister in there, and you've got to have whoever's responsible for national security, for the you know, um, uh, the spy well, agencies, etc. They're we, all going to be in cabinet.
0: We sort of do have these smaller sub cabinets now, don't we? We have a, a national security uh, we have a, a national security, security committee, committee yes. and, and then we'll have uh, an expenditure review committee, which revolves around treasurer of finance. A prime minister sits in all of them. Um, perhaps those things with a smaller cabinet you could do away. I understand there might be some national security issues that rely on you know, top-secret information and so forth that can't really be bandied around a cabinet table, even though you do have uh, restraint on uh, what uh, cabinets can talk about. But maybe some of those sort of subgroups um, uh,
1: can go. I mean, if you're <laughs> Prime Minister, you could literally be sitting in meetings all day. You could. One of the things that hasn't happened with the um, Albanese government is they they haven't done as good a job yet um, in aligning the cabinet positions and the ministry positions with the public service. There are uh, too many departments who, who have multiple cabinet ministers. Um, the Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development, Communications and the Arts Department will have four cabinet ministers. Uh, two of whom have major responsibilities, Michelle Rowland for communications and Catherine King for infrastructure, transport, regional development, local government. Social services will have three cabinet ministers, two with uh, major responsibilities, Amanda Rishworth for social services and Bill Shorten for the NDIS. This just makes it too messy, too hard to get uh, uh, government departments and cabinet ministers to work well together. Um, And... This is in contrast to the uh, Hawke, Keating and Howard governments who were all good governments, all successful governments, who had a much better alignment between the public service and the ministries.
0: We haven't really seen the the Night of the Long Knives either, have we? I mean, I think the only one I've seen That's on its way. It's got to be happening very soon. I I noticed that Gary Johns has resigned, Jack. You remember Gary? He was a member of... uh, Oh, it might have been the outer ministry. He was the outer, uh, outer ministry of in the Keating government, yeah. uh, and he is—I'll uh, just get his proper title: um, uh, the commissioner the char- of the Australian charities, star. not for charities, not for, <laughs> yeah, for profits commission. Uh, yeah. He has tendered his resignation, and that was, I think, somewhat gleefully received by. Uh, the relevant minister. That's uh, the, Dr. there wasn't Adrian much Week.
1: restraint in the press release, was there? Of the glee.
0: No, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing uh, what we were what we were just about to do. Um, uh, mm. That was that sense there. That look, there there has been a sense.
1: I know he he uh, was Dick, a hook, he was a Keating government minister who sort of found God at the IPA after they lost government. Yeah, it was it was
0: a bit of a transformation. He actually. Uh, uh, he and I had uh, a bit to do with one another. Went up, you know, for columns that I was writing at the Australian, and and um, look, uh, he he was, uh, I think, very strong in terms of charities for for um, jockeys. Jack, very strong, um, yeah. um, but uh, there might be just. Look, I, I would think that sector needs to be looked at long and hard, particularly NPRs uh, or NFPRs <coughs> but um, because uh, there's there's some, yeah there's some pretty
1: shaky sort of stuff going on there. I think. But here's, a, um, here's, a, here's an employment tip for our listeners: never go and work for a not-for-profit or, or a trade union. You, um, you, um, <laughs> uh, because, yeah, yeah. because yeah, they, they have a, a Neanderthal approach to industrial...
0: Just in terms of management,
1: yeah. yeah oh, yeah. It, I
0: mean, it, it will cause you untold stress and at the end of the day you probably won't be very well remunerated, although the unions might be a little bit different there, Jack. Uh, and uh, and you will find yourself, yeah, working among troglodytes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the sort of day-to-day Jack uh, uh, Albanese uh, has visited Indonesia. I think he's on his way back now. Um, he's confirmed his attendance at the G20, where uh, Xi Jinping will obviously be, will be in attendance, but also Vladimir Putin.
1: How big's the table going to have to be? Uh, well, probably he's probably it's probably gonna have to do it by Zoom. I think, but you
0: know, um, <laughs> he's going to. Know. Of course, it's being hosted in Jakarta. Uh, the, the G20 is being hosted in Jakarta, and in, in this day and age, uh, where and not just with COVID, but because there is a fair amount of belligerence around the world at the moment, uh, it was uh, a of great uh, personal concern to Widodo that uh, to Joko Widodo that. Uh, that uh, that the g20 might end up being a large zoom meeting rather than people turning up in jakarta so elbows done that how important as is our relationship to Indonesia jack it's quite important I mean I mean there are there is probably huge... a, it, it, certainly it's their most important regional relationship I would yeah. think. yeah uh, there is a view that was uh, maintained around the Keating uh, Keating uh, uh, leadership and 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 during his period as treasurer as well is that you know it's a country of three hundred million people in between us and China. Mm-hmm. and that's sort of given that sort of you know that sort of strategic outlook. Uh, <clears throat> so it's a really, really important thing and trade with Indonesia is, Oh, almost way too low considering our uh, the proximity uh, uh, to uh, to Indonesia from Australia. Way too low. We we trade probably about I think it's about five times that with New Zealand. Um, yeah. So there are
1: opportunities there that seem to go begging. Yeah, there are. Um, we don't even do much in education between Australia and Indonesia, and that's a mistake. Yeah.
0: That, you know, that, that is seen more more in the Philippines, more in Vietnam, more in China, more, yeah. uh, uh, more in Thailand. So, yes, there, there's just so much potential in that relationship that's really not going forward. There is a free trade ag- agreement, which uh, was actually negotiated during the Morrison years. And while I haven't had a good, close look at it, it, it is time to start basically keying that in. Yeah, and, and, and to mutual benefit, really. Um, in, the Indonesians and Australians will get great deal of benefit from a closer relationship, free trade arrangements and all.
1: Uh, and, of course... Keating, what, worked, Keating worked hard to foster a close relationship with uh, uh, former President Suharto um, uh, when he was Prime Minister.
0: Yeah, it's, and it's one of those sort of judgments that people make. The Sahara was a monster and, uh, and therefore you, you know, the Australian government should have treated him, you know, essentially ostracised him and, and, and you just can't do that. It, it, we have to take Indonesia for good or bad. Now, it's much, it's, it's human rights, and much, much, uh, much improved. There are still some manifest problems, particularly in West Papua, you want to hear a you want to hear DFAT go quiet, Jack. You start talking about uh, West Papua to them; they will mm. just pretend it's not happening, mm. um, because the the relationship is so important to Australia, uh, and and those sorts of issues, where there are real human rights concerns in places like West Papua, the West, you know, the best place to, ha- to, to to talk about those things is not in a newspaper. It's not with, with, the,
1: uh, with the bullhorn on. Uh, it's, it's done behind closed doors. Uh, yeah, well, with, we always have to remember that, um, as in all these foreign relations situations, we have to deal with the Indonesia we've got, not the Indonesia we would like to have or perhaps want mm, to have.
0: Mm. And, and you can make your representations, but just don't do it, you know, in public, mm. you know. Out loud and and proud Like a lot of our relationship has been With China Jack um, All done through the bullhorn And maybe that's because They won't take their telephone calls anymore But there was an incident over the weekend uh, Where the Chinese J-16 fighter Placed the crew of an RAAF surveillance jet In jeopardy Um, And uh, That uh, uh, they They were flying over A international seas and basically international territory both both uh, craft and according to former air force chief leo davies he said it, the behavior of the chinese uh, the chinese jet fighter china j-16 fighter was as aggressive as i have heard of so it's a little bit more a um, little bit more saber rattling from china
1: jack yeah, well, I just think we've got to leave these um, uh, those kind of relationship problems. Um, uh, again, as you said about Indonesia, we've got to leave those kind of things to the boffins behind closed doors to have it out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Anthony Albanese said it was a dangerous manoeuvre yeah. that threatened the lives of its crew. And the chief of the uh, ADF, Angus Campbell, and Defence Secretary uh, Greg Moriarty lodged furious protests with their People's Liberation
1: Army counterparts. No no, no, no no doubt the ambassador will be called in for a chat, et cetera, et cetera, and that's where where it ought to be left.
0: Yeah, okay, Nora. Uh, Overall, you know, you've made the comment uh, last week uh, that... uh, Anthony Albanese started really well overall. How do you see? He's, he's had two international trips. hasn't been in, hasn't been home for very long. Uh, had the quad meeting in in, in Japan, and uh, now his trip to uh, uh, to Indonesia. How well is he going?
1: He's going okay, and I think the, 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 the think the with the proviso regarding the shape of the public service, I think the, the cabinet looks the cabinet and the ministry look, look okay.
0: That um, is a tough one, isn't it? Because you've had ten years of coalition government, so naturally, the bureaucracy and the
1: agencies are going to be pretty heavily
0: politicised.
1: Yeah, well, well, certainly at the top level, that's true, and that's become uh, that's sort of at least from the Whitlam era on's began being getting worse and worse all the time. I've got to say. So there'll be a few few people told to.
0: Uh Pack their gear in, uh, in little cardboard boxes and and uh, marching out of, let's say, Border Force or, in fact, Home Affairs, uh, Treasury and the PMO. Well, that's already begun, hasn't it? Yeah, and that's fair enough. That's fine. Oh, it has to be. I mean, <laughs> the political leaders have to have confidence in the people that they are almost in constant contact with about yes, how, yeah.
1: how their policy changes are going to flow through into the system. Ideally, um, you keep enough of the uh, long-term people in the public service so you've got some corporate memory, so that the next brilliant bad idea that someone has <laughs> there's someone who's been there long enough to say, look, we tried that about 25 years ago and it just didn't fly. Yeah, yeah.
0: nugget games. <laughs> yeah. One of the great, one of the great bureaucrats, one of the great uh, public servants of their time. There've been many, of course, mm. and those are the people you want to keep. The
1: political appointees hit the road, Jack. Yeah, that's which is fair enough. That's fine. They'll all go off and um, uh, and write. Well, the, well, the, well. This lot probably won't go off and write for pearls and irritations because that's sort of um, like a university newspaper for older people. Um, everyone's on the left, but. Um, uh, there'll be a, a right-wing version of Pearls and Irritations. <laughs> yeah. For, that, for, for no. listeners, Pearls and Irritations is put together by John Menager, who was a distinguished public servant. Another great uh, public servant, yes. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's worth it. You should tip, tip some money into it because you can find some interesting stuff out. Well, it's kind of the way Australia works. That's,
0: that's the beauty of, uh, of that. I mean, it's basically how Australia works.
1: Yeah, um, oh, I that's if, if you've got any money left over from subscribing to our. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. we'd, we'd like, to, <laughs> like to do that first. Yeah. Um, I look. One issue that we haven't
0: got into very much is uh, since the election is is polling. Now you're perhaps not quite as uh, uh, fixated upon it as I am, as a bit of a pundit. I, I tended to give it the f- the flick. Um, since 2019. It's not that you, I, I
1: completely ignore it. but I don't um, work for an organisation who's paying them, so you've got more skin in the game yeah, than I've well got.
0: That's right. I mean, look, uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm mean, i looking at betting markets uh, as, as a, uh, again, nowhere near infallible device mm. for, for predicting outcomes, um, but probably a little sounder than polling is mm. at the moment. Uh, we saw most of the major polling companies, in fact, I think all of them, no one, no one got anywhere near the, 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 uh, the uh, 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 reduction in both, both major parties' primary votes. And the other thing that they seem to have got horribly wrong, I mean, News Poll had Morrison on a negative 13 approval rating, but it would seem to me that he was f- way more unpopular than that. Now, polling methodology aside, is this just a case of when you ring someone, uh, a, a, a respondent, a polling company gets in touch with them and says, "What do you think of uh, Scott Morrison?" and they say, "Well, you know, I could <laughs> I could tell you, um, but I'm t- I'm too nice, I'm too nice a person to tell you what I really think of Scott Morrison, because I think a lot of that went on. Yeah, probably, yeah. And that lovely voice, this lovely lady's talking to me on the phone. I mean, most of these things aren't robopoles. They're, they're conducted with a much broader methodology now in terms of getting hold of people who just don't have landlines, uh, talking to people uh, on, on mobile phones, talking to people, uh, a consistent group of people on the on the internet and so forth. And I think... You know, there are some problems with bias in terms of in-person polling. One of the the Morgan polls, it's a bit of a standard of theirs, in-person polling. So if I, if I talk to you and say, what do you think of Scott Morrison? You might be too nice to, to actually tell me. Um, and then you might be, you know, you, while you're really thinking, well, I'm going to vote, I'm going to do what I can to vote these people out, and they say, well, what would you like, Labor or Liberal or UAP, Green, and then you go, well, you know, Liberals, maybe they're worth a chance. Is that is that the problem there, that we're just not getting genuine responses from respondents?
1: Well, I think it's fair to say right around the world, the polling companies haven't caught up with, the change in, in, in personal behaviour, you know, it was easier when everyone was at home watching the same television station um, uh, uh, every night and had a, had a landline you know, yeah. not, and they haven't quite come to terms yet with that and that makes their product, I would think, harder to sell. Yes.
0: Look, we also saw the Australian featured a really interesting piece of polling and that was a YouGov poll that, and um, uh, not a news poll. And that looked at all 151 elect- electorates uh, with 19,000, almost 20,000 respondents. But if you divide that by 151, it's, it's not very many. It's about 120-odd uh, people per, per seat. And uh, while they got a fair bit right... Uh, they uh, they didn't go anywhere near what was right in terms of uh, in terms of the teals in New South Wales. Uh, that alone are disastrously wrong. At um, and, and and so one thing that I would always caution people about is uh, uh, individual seat polling. It's generally never comprehensive enough to pick up any real trends. And you could find yourself, if you if you asked 125 people of 120,000 elect, 120, people electorates, you can go so wrong there. With just huge margins of error. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So what do we do, Jack? Do we just look at the betting markets? Because i tell you what, I did all right this year. I did all right on the betting markets this year. And I think we've tipped a few of our, uh, our, our listeners into... Uh, some wins there. We did uh, well. I did in my column recommend the Greens. I know. Uh, I know you were emotionally attached there in Brisbane to uh, Madonna Jarrett the Labor candidate, but I did think the Greens were a chance. At, at I think they were eight to one. Uh, the uh, the ten Independence Plus was another recommendation of mine, and if people have spoken about that, and that paid that paid nine dollars. Uh, maybe we should just be going with the betting markets, Jack.
1: Uh, it could be. It could be. It will be interesting to see what your uh, your employer um, uh, does with this. I wouldn't like to be walking in there uh, with my presentation to say, look, you should keep giving us money in the piling business. You know?
0: Yeah, there's going to have to be some changes there. And they have. I mean, they, they, that's the thing. They, they, you know,
1: I, I had a long... Uh, someone's going to get this right. Someone's going to work out how to do this with the new reality. But they, they just haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's, it, look, it's
0: really tough and, and a lot of them have got, you know, a lot of them have got great mathematical, and statistical uh, backgrounds and profound educations in that area uh, and look, I did uh, talk to the head of the news poll, uh, oh, uh, about uh, three or four months ago and, and he gave me the rundown of what they were doing that was... Uh, different from 2019 where it was all a bit of a disaster and they they were closer. You would have to say they were closer, but they got the primary vote. Newsbowl got the primary vote hideously wrong. I think they were into the 70s when uh, really we got, you know, the two parties combined, primary votes were well into the 70s on, on their count and really we were you know, mid-60s uh, and that's
1: a big variation. Yeah. Um, yeah, or, as I say, I think someone I think someone will work out a better way of doing this, but that just hasn't happened yet.
0: I think what, one of the things we are seeing that is useful is if you have a set group of, let's say, fifteen hundred people that you can you, you can connect with on the internet, that you can ask questions through the internet, and that is a broad uh, variety of people. Then you'll start seeing some some better information. That's the way I'd be taking it. I think that's wise. right. I think
1: that's right. We know that party focus groups are more accurate than the polls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where perhaps perhaps people aren't so um,
0: reserved about telling us what uh, telling people what they really think. mean, <laughs> it's clear to me that Scott Morrison was perhaps the most unpopular
1: leader uh, since McMahon. Well, uh, and, and I think the party focus groups were telling them that. Hence, we had the "I'm going to change." Um, uh, oh, I promised Darling, "I'm going to be different. I'm going to change." <laughs> <laughs> he did do that,
0: didn't he? Mm-hmm. And it was so I mean, look, he was running. He was running the campaign. You can forget about the campaign managers and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. He was running it his way because I think he thought he was, you know, some sort of electoral mandrake who could uh, who, who could who could pull. Pull a pull a victory out of the fire as he sort of did in 2019 forgetting that uh, the the big problem there for labor was in two words bill shorten uh there were some really astonishing things there he he, he went to reed which is a western sydney seat uh, and the sitting liberal member was fiona martin and he went and campaigned there and she wasn't even invited she wasn't invited to to to, to uh, walk the streets of
1: canada bay etc with him yeah, no. I think he just—he might have just shaded past Malcolm Turnbull as the worst Liberal campaign run uh, um, since In Billy recent Marks, times since Billy McMahon. Just, just one yeah. thing I want—I want to—I want, to, want to ask you about because mm. you know, uh, and I haven't forewarned you about this because you work for the, the evil empire. For the, for, for, for the, I don't for call the him that, Jack. Yeah, for the Murdoch empire. Well, I, I, I've got to keep it good with the rest <laughs> of the population <laughs> and with left Twitter, um, who clearly think that the legal. This happens. Post every time, Labor wins an election, that left Twitter, which is kind of an oxymoron, really, isn't it? You know, um, uh, they go a bit nuts, and they—they're now saying um, that the Murdoch people should be banned from the ABC. Oh, is that—is that the push? Is it? Um, yeah, this,
0: I, this, I this is this is that. the
1: latest push. That um, you know, now that we've got a, a, a proper government, um, uh, there is no is room. This a, is this an insiders' thing? Oh, Is it it's driven a, by the Insiders? It's, it's Insiders, it's QA, it's the drum. You used to be on the drum. Um, uh, yeah, I used to do the drum. Came yeah, that up yeah. as a bad joke.
0: Um, and uh, and I do turn up on the Insiders because I'm a big, uh, big a close friend and uh, and fan of uh, Mike Bowers. Mike Bowers, yeah. And the yeah, producer, yeah. Fiona Kutowskis. That's why I do that. It's the only bit of television that
1: I really do. Yeah. But, uh, the, but, <laughs> but, left, but left Twitter over the last uh, three or four days has been full of this that it's now time to make a stand and make sure that there are no people who work for Murdoch allowed on the ABC <laughs> at all. Um, um, it's, it's not only have we won the election, but we want to control the way people think. <laughs> well, there, there is, of course, a, a bit of
0: a push, uh, backed by uh, Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd, to hold a royal commission... Into News Corp, which is bizarre. I'd be happy to give uh, happy to give evidence there. By the way, if that ever happened, but it's bizarre because uh, it's hardly uh, it's hardly reflective of a free press, is it? I mean, here is here is some, we don't like what we're hearing from one group, so we're going to stomp all over them. Um, it, it, it's a form of McCarthyism, a form of left-wing McCarthyism. That's how I often describe it. You do, I do encounter a bit of this on, uh, on Twitter from time to time. Uh, others cop it much worse, I must say. But uh, the, the whole point of this is, and I, and I tell people this and, you know, it's, it, 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 it either goes in one ear and out the other or, or they just choose to ignore it, um, Every time I write a column for The Australian, I start with a blank piece of paper and no, repeat no advice on what I should be writing. And if I get, if I receive some feedback, and I should from my editor from time to time, it's generally of the, love your column today, mate, well done, you know. So I don't feel any sense of uh, control. You know, I do not receive an email all in caps from Rupert Murdoch every at the start of every day. Uh, it's just a nonsense. And and furthermore, with that blank sheet of paper that I fill in to the to the extent of about fifteen hundred words every every or twice a week. Um, going on from that, if I did that at another media organisation, I guarantee you. I would have way more editorial intervention, and I can and I can speak from experience at the ABC, to a degree at Fairfax, albeit some time ago, and from independent media, where probably more intru- editorial influence is more intrusive than
1: anywhere else, possible exception to the ABC. So there you go. The dirty little secret is, of course, that the people who are on left Twitter. Don't want you starting with a blank sheet of paper. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, I mean, they—they actually haven't approved. They are—they're more Catholic than the Catholics. They're more Catholic than the Pope these days. They have their own little list of. They have their own little canon of beliefs that are acceptable, and you must not stray from that. Yeah, look. Like I say, I, I, I've actually had a, a couple of
0: swipes at people over this, over the journey. I, I, I tend to avoid Twitter conflict because it's it's rather pointless. But, you know, I've described and I've just come straight out about it. I mean, You know, you, you, your view is a McCarthyist view of the world. You know, are you now or have you ever been a subscriber to a News Corp or a contributor to a News Corp? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thought that's going on. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, look, I'm. <laughs> I may never appear on the ABC again, Jack. Oh woe is me! Um, you know, I'll, I'll 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 cry. You know, for a couple of nights. You know, yeah, lose yeah. a couple of nights' sleep, but then I'll then I'll be okay. Yeah.
1: Um. I don't. I doubt that the ABC would be silly enough to pick up on that. No, we- no, no, no. There's there's just enough sensible people there. Yeah. Right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd like to think so. Um. Uh. We do have a listener inquiry Which we're
0: delighted to take And we encourage them by the way So we've got a little letter here from Tom And now Tom uh, Tom lives in the seat of Hinkler In uh, Well in and around Bundaberg in Queensland Regional Queensland seat And he's asked us to explain uh, And he says The third most popular candidate Was the current mayor of Bundaberg Jack Dempsey It seems he Put this is according to Tom, being put being a mayor off to one side to be an independent candidate, uh, and now the election is over. He has gone back to being mayor again, and just seems to be acting like business as usual. So it, 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 he, it was won by the Lib, wasn't it? This so he, It was won by the LMP, yeah. uh, Keith uh, Keith Pitt. Well, one by the sitting member, sitting LMP member Keith Pitt. He did uh, experience a four point four swing against him, um, uh, and due mainly to the intervention of Jack Dempsey. Or well, that's the way it appears, Jack. So Tom was wondering. So <laughs> hey, <laughs> to the to the mayor of Bundaberg, how come you had a crack? Uh, you've uh, You've caused a bit of consternation to one of your former colleagues because Jack Dempsey was an LNP uh, 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 member for Bundaberg in the state parliament, uh, police minister in the the Newman government. So is he just causing a few problems? So I went and had a look at the numbers, Jack, and you've seen them too. In Hinkler, um, you've got... uh, uh, a 4% swing against Keith Pitt, the sitting member. You've got UAP uh, with a few more votes than normal. Oh, well, than last time, they're up 3%. Uh, One Nation down, which is pretty much just a bit of a standard for Queensland, down 6%. The Australian Labor Party vote was basically um, status quo on 2019, and uh, uh, Green's got about 5 and a. Five and a half percent, and Jack Dempsey here got thirteen thousand votes, or thirteen percent of the vote.
1: He didn't really so, harm Keith. Keith Pitt, though, did he's
0: he? Has, I would say he's given him a helping oh, hand. Be of, yeah,
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> when we look at these, and we—I I, I don't have the preference um, of breakdowns to hand, um, but um, uh, in the end, two-party preferred. Uh, Keith Keith won the seat. Um, 60-40 uh, uh, against Labor uh, With just 42% of the primary vote So uh, obviously he's picked up some preferences From the United Australia Party And and, and some from uh, One Nation Who who got 7 and 8% of the vote respe- uh, respectively And then we've got um, uh, uh, And then we've got Jack the Independent. I'd I'd suggest that those preference flows were, were going probably about ninety. I'm guessing, but ninety ten uh, towards Keith Pitt. Now uh, you mm. might say that he that uh, the Jack might have been uh, parachuted in there to help uh, Keith along. Could the fix have been in? Maybe yes. <laughs> the fix might well have been in. The mm. issue of him being mayor, and I was I was wondering this too, Jack, uh, before we started the program, talk to talk to you about it. As mayor, he would not fall under section 44 issues in terms of being, um, being basically on the salary of the, of the Commonwealth. Um, yeah. Because as mayor, the, 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 uh, um, <clears throat> the Commonwealth has no status over so local government. Um, so there's no section 44 issues that I can think of. Uh, and so he's more than entitled to resume his uh, work after sort of stepping down for a period of time.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, um, I wasn't around at the time, but I've certainly read that Ben Shifley, um, uh, even when he was Prime Minister, retained his seat on the Bathurst Council um, uh, and indeed used to pop across for the odd council meeting. Well, and another bit of trivia
0: for you, Jack. Uh, Billy Hughes—he uh, was briefly a, a state member of Parliament, in New South Wales, and a federal member of Parliament. Um, and when uh, Australia's first Parliament sat uh, in Melbourne, he uh, he remained a sitting a sitting member in the state, New
1: South Wales Parliament, for about six or seven months. I believe. Billy Hughes, who uh, when asked um, uh, you. Uh it was pointed out to him that he'd been a member of every political party uh, in, in Australia at the time except the country party. Um, and he, was, he was asked why that was, and he says, well, a bloke's got to have some principles.
0: That. <laughs> <laughs> also, my very favourite Ben Chifley story is that uh, in his uh, in his office uh, in, in the old Parliament House, uh, Prime Minister's office in the old Parliament House. The number on the phone, I think it was about five digits in those days, <laughs> uh, was very close to a butcher shop in Manuka, mm. and uh, it was very common for, <laughs> for the Prime Minister of the day, Bill Chifley, <laughs> sorry, um, um, chief old Chiffy himself, uh, to uh, to pick up the phone <laughs> and to have and to have a housewife recite the uh, the meat order for the week, and. Um, and to uh, to his uh, to, to to his considerable credit, he used to take the orders down, and then just pass them to the secretary, who'd ring it through to the, <laughs> the, the butcher shop, shop in Marnica. That <laughs> may not have uh, been, um, it may not have been. You know, I, I don't think in this day and age that would be that
1: would be all that uh, acceptable. But it just shows you what a terrific bloke he was. Not much, not much chance of the PM picking up the phone personally these days. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, <laughs> no, uh, for, no. for, for, for our listeners, I recommend you stay at the Carrachong Hotel in Canberra. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I've done that a couple of times, and no, no, almost no matter which room you get there, they'll tell you you're sleeping in uh, Bill Shufly's old uh, bench. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. So, <laughs> old bench, bed, which used to get a bit of a workout. But that's another story, oh, Jack. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up there, uh, and thanks so much for your time today, and and thank you, uh, thank you, Tom, uh, our listener, uh, for for our listener letter, and we would welcome those in in future. And the more fact, the better. The more the better. We will certainly deal with as many as, as we can um, uh, and uh, we'd uh, you know, also encourage as we said at the front of the show that you uh, give us a bit of a boost if you can on social media uh, give us a rating on your favourite podcast app or drop us a line to the Condition Release Program at gmail.com or you can see me on Twitter my DMs are always open. Fantastic to have you along Jack uh, and uh, we look forward to catching up later in the week with uh, with uh, the two jacks around the world. And but we will be going into week ten of hard hats and high viz next Monday. All the best, mate. Cheers. Thank you, listeners. See ya.